Critics, non-critics, and friends, welcome to the Film Optics Podcast, where we take a glance into blockbusters, indie films, and everything in between. I'm your host, Christian, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend, slash my co-host, Devin, and today we're here to give our spoiler-free thoughts on The Midnight Club, which is the latest horror Netflix series adapted for TV by Mike Flanagan, the, the man himself. The, the, the Flaniverse is back. The baby. Flan Man. The, the Flan Man is back and better than ever, question mark. We'll just have to wait and see. And before we begin today's episode, you can listen to our podcast on podcast platforms around the internet. That includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. And if you are a new or seasoned listener, uh, to the show. We would love to hear from you guys. Follow us on Instagram and follow us on Twitter at Film Optics. That is optics with an X. Or you can email us at filmoptics at gmail.com for any movie related questions. Devin, happy Taco Tuesday as we are recording here on a Tuesday. I was debating Again, making tacos tonight, actually. Were you? I'm not sure what I'm, I think I'm going to have it. A nice salad. I don't know. We'll, we'll just have to wait and see. I got to figure out what's in my fridge because half the time, I don't know what's in there. <laughs> but what have you been watching lately? You've been watching some uh, some scary, uh, some spooky season uh, goodness. You know, it's it's October. You know, we're talking about some some midnight club. Are, are you getting in the mood? Yeah, this past week's pretty much just been dedicated to getting midnight club in. It's a full 10 10 episode series for those not in the know all around an hour long 50 minutes to an hour around there but yeah that's that's pretty much it i started Dahmer. haven't really dived much into that one yet but it's on the list i feel it so as for me i'm not gonna lie i think i have been i've been going like all out i'm just leaning into it this year um this past weekend Actually, these past two, yeah, this past weekend, I was getting myself ready for uh, Halloween, for, for Halloween ends. So I watched the 2018 Halloween. Then I unfortunately had to watch <laughs> Halloween evil Kills. Dies evil ends? Evil dies tonight? Evil dies tonight. Yeah. So I wanted to watch the extended edition. Like maybe it makes it a little bit better. Much like BVS, like Batman v Superman, the extended cut makes it a little bit better, but not that much. But I rented the first one because I couldn't find it on any streaming services. Um, It was like a few bucks. But the extended uh, release is only available to purchase. And I was like, well... I don't like Halloween, at least this Halloween, that much to like go for that extra. I don't even know how long, how how much longer the extended cut is. So uh, Halloween Kills is on HBO Max. So I watched it there. I was like, okay, that's cool. But yeah, so I've been watching that. I watched that on, what was it, Friday, Saturday, Saturday, and then Sunday. I just went all flan, all flan, all the time. I went and I watched Hush for the first time. That's a good one. 
Very, very good. I mean, just a classic, perfect slasher, you know, type tale with a very interesting twist. And I love how, you know, everything happens. You don't leave the house, really. Um, and then <laughs> I watched Gerald's Game as well. I never um, I never got, um, got into watching that one. I would definitely watch it. It freaks me out, man. Like Mike Flanagan knows how to... Like, at least for me, he really knows, like, he doesn't use, like, those cheap, like, jump scares unless he's, like, making fun of it or something. But, like, my gosh, this, this man gets me every time. But I think it really is more of the storytelling, the the series that he is able to, you know, create on his own, his original series or adapted series. Um, and I think that's what's really gravitating him uh, towards probably one of my favorite um, horror directors out there, up there with uh, Jordan Peele, for sure. Um, but yeah, I've just been leaning into it. Uh, I'm going to watch some Werewolf by Night tonight. Uh, and I also started Batman The Long Halloween. Um, the first part is kind of a snoozer. It's just a lot of setup. And then part two is like the payoff. So eventually I'll get through that. But I think I'm actually going to start Bly Manor soon as well. Got to get that in the spooky yeah, season. Got to get all of them in. Yeah, yeah, there's a few other movies of uh, Mike Flanagan's on Netflix. One, is, one of them is called like the Ouija Board or something. And then there's another one. I think his first one there. was called Oculus. I think that's what it was. It had called. Karen yeah. Gillian in it. Did it really? Hmm. Yeah, way back when. 2013. Way, way back when. Karen oh, Gillian. Oh, man. That- so that's before Hush, because Hush came out in like 2016, 17, something like that. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I'll double yeah, I I do want to watch those too. I'm taking a little bit of a detour. I mean, really just staying within his filmography. Um, but yeah, definitely gonna start Bly Manor because I would like to finish that. So I can officially say I've seen all of his series. It's the only one I'm missing so far. So as I mentioned before, uh, we are here today to talk about um, The Midnight Club. This is going to be our spoiler-free review of the series. And by the time you're listening to this, it's already out. It's already on Netflix. Go have a blast. Get yourself in the spooky season mood. We're going to be giving our initial reactions of the series. And then we're going to be taking a little bit of a detour to our Mike Flanagan series ranks, where this actually ranks for us within um, his, I guess you could still call it a filmography. I wasn't sure if there was a different term for it for TV, but then we're going to give our final thoughts about the Midnight Club and then we're going to give our ratings. And then it's time to spoof on out of here. <laughs> So Devin, are, are you ready to head to Brightcliff? I, I feel like I, I feel like you're not well. I, right I, I feel like you need some I reflection. Want, I do not want that currently. No, <laughs> I don't think it, anyone like, does. It's like what's the opposite of coming of age? It's like losing of age. That's what this is. Yeah, actually, I was thinking the same thing on my way home from work today. How to properly um, identify the series? But we're going to get into that and more so we'll be right back after this introduction to the midnight club here at brightcliff hospice we are the authors of our own stories brightcliff offers a safe and warm atmosphere for our patients to enjoy their final chapter together
we create with you your last chapter. We look forward to helping you write your own ending. And we are back. You just heard a little snippet of the Midnight Club. We hope you guys are having a fantastic spooky season 2022 so far. I gotta say, I think it's a really big year for horror all around. I mean, I'm still a scary cat when it comes to certain things. Still haven't seen Smile, um, but <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We'll see. That is like... Like I've said, I, I can lean into horror, but there are some things I will not touch. But just and I feel like innocent I, smiles, nothing to be worried about. But like, that's going to ruin smiles for me. <laughs> I think I think they should have hired people to wait outside the theater, just smiling at, at certain theaters. That, that would not go well at all. Like, there, there's just no way. Horror. <laughs> That would be very, very peak horror. I did see it. I don't know if it was the uh, the girl from the poster, but someone was doing the whole smile thing at like a football game and someone was like recording them. It was super creepy, but I, I don't know what we shall see. But as we mentioned before, this is our spoiler free review of The Midnight Club. Again, this is now streaming on Netflix as of this recording. So... I'm going to pass it over to Devin so we can give his initial reactions to the Midnight Club. Then I'll give mine and then we'll kind of just go from there. So, Devin, what were your thoughts about the Midnight Club? I'm curious as if um, anybody that's on Netflix is going to be scrolling around and seeing Midnight Club and they're expecting like that old racing game. Remember that one? I think it, I think it was Rockstar. <laughs> They made that, but like, uh, yeah, it's like Midnight Club Three, the, yeah, there's, there's the a few dub of them edition, in the 360 and PS3 days. Oh, actually, no, PS2. Even yeah. I think it might have been on PS2 as well. I can't remember, but man, those are the days. I'm sorry, continue. <laughs> just like that, just like that Need for Speed movie that was very unfortunate. Um, but we'll we'll move on. Very Rest in peace to that that attempt. Sorry, to, sorry to Aaron Paul and Kid Cudi and all, everyone involved. But um, yeah, Midnight Club, um, the Midnight Club. That's the differentiator. This is the Midnight Club for me. This this one just didn't really seem to grab me as much as his other series did. I I didn't get like wrapped up into the world as much as it did for the other ones. It felt kind of like it felt kind of goosebumpsy. Like kind of felt a little bit like scary stories. Scary stories to tell in the dark. Different kind of young adult horror um, books like that that we've had in the past. The stories within the story are where it kind of lost me. It felt kind of uneven, like those different stories that they're, they're telling at the Midnight Club um, specifically, because some of them felt really interesting and really well made, but then some of them really just seemed to fall flat for me. And, that, and they took up really big chunks of the episodes too, which is um, definitely an interesting uh, choice they made. It is, it is a very, very unique premise as far as having... Um, this kind of retreat where people can go to that are currently terminally ill and just kind of live out the rest of their days, especially within the age range that they are. I wonder if there actually are places like this because it's it's kind of depressing to think about. Like you just you're, you're still young and you have so much left, but you're going to, to this place to just kind of let it all go. Like that's that's really that really hits deep. What did what did you think? Yeah. 
So for me, um, there are parts that I agree with with your initial reactions. Other parts, not so much. I will agree that um, I do not think this is Mike Flanagan's strongest work altogether. Um, I do agree that the premise is very interesting because, like you said, you have these terminal ill children. And like, as we were mentioning before, we can't really call this a coming of age. Like it is, but it isn't at the going same time. Going of age. Because, yeah, something of that nature. Um, and I wanted to uh, shout out some of the, the creators here. Of course, this is created by Mike Flanagan and uh, Leah Fong as well. I actually kind of forgot to throw that in there, but we're doing it now. And also stars Iman Benson, uh, Igby uh, Rigney. <laughs> what a name. Ruth Cod. Yeah, I like that a lot. Uh, Ruth Cod. Uh, Honora Shepard, she was also in uh, Midnight Mass. Yeah, there's a uh, few the in the wheelchair. Yeah, the re- returning cast members mm-hmm. from the other other stuff. Zach Guilford. Um, who else? And then Samantha uh, uh, Sloy. Uh, yeah, Sloyan and Sloyan? Raul, Raul yeah. Coley uh, briefly. Yeah, H- Henry Thomas. Yeah, yeah, well. very briefly. Yeah, yeah, very briefly for him as well. Um, but as I was saying before, I, I did enjoy this. Um, I felt like, I, I feel like there's going to be a season two of this because it's the, just the way that it ends. It's like, that, that can't be it, but that's just how I feel because Mike Flanagan's other work, when it comes to midnight mass or haunting of Hill house, I can't really say anything for Bly Manor cause I've not, um, seen it yet as i mentioned earlier but um from what i've seen from haunting of hill house and midnight mass this this doesn't come close i think it is a great entry level mike flanagan um work of art like you said Devin. it definitely reminded me of scary stories to tell in the dark it reminded me that that movie should have been a series which i feel like this is what the midnight club is um I did enjoy these stories within the stories when they're, you know, when they're at, when the midnight club is actually uh, happening in real time. I don't think any of the stories necessarily fell flat for me. I felt like the stories were obviously they're telling these stories, but it is obviously about them. There's some truth to those stories, but not everything, you know, kind of maybe just the characters themselves. Um, <laughs> Dusty, I don't know <laughs> when it comes to, uh, Igby, uh, Rigney's character, um, Kevin, I'm not entirely sure, but <laughs> cause I highly doubt that Kevin was a serial killer, but I think he did a fantastic job in this series. He was, he, he's at first I was like, oh, maybe this is kind of like the stoner character, but I'm like, no, he, he gave a lot of great insight between him and Alonka, who is played by Iman Benson. I, I think she does a amazing. great job as well. Yeah, for sure. But there, there's something about, even if this isn't the best um, Flanagan of the Flaniverse series that we've gotten thus far, again, I've not seen Blind Manor yet, so I can't really put that on the board. But there was something about it that I think it was part of the story because, you know, they're trying to figure out, you know, these weird things are happening at at Brightcliff. This, like you said, it is a hospice for um, for younger um, children or just teenagers, however you want to put it. But it's 
it's kind of like, I mean, even Amesh's character. I mean, I don't want to get into any specifics, but he's a really big gamer and he is terminally ill. And there may or may not be certain games or, you know, certain uh, consoles he's going to be able to play because this does take uh, place within, um, I think, early to mid 90s altogether, which was really, really nice. Um just a nice touch for us since we're 90s kids. But there's something about this story that, that made it like hauntingly, hauntingly beautiful, excuse me. But but it's also like bittersweet because, you know, they're, they're trying to learn how to, you know, these, these kids are trying to learn how to live with each other. But at the same time, you know, they are there to, you know, um, say their final goodbyes and it must be really tough because it's like, you know, they, they have things such as like family day, people come in to visit and whatnot, but it's really just the children there and the staff by themselves. And I can't say that there is a, not like a real villain, kind of, sort of, almost more of like an obstacle or like a distraction, um, because I don't believe that this is just a limited series, because like I said, the ending, there's just no way. <laughs> That's all I had to say. But overall, I, I enjoyed it, but it's no Midnight Mass and it's no Haunting of Hill House. But there's something special here that kept me watching through and through. A few disappointments with some of the uh, mysteries surrounding the house, but... I think the character development and just the interactions we get with these children made up for some of those shortcomings, but I'm not entirely, it's, you know, like I said, I've, I've had a little bit of time to think about it, but I, I did enjoy, you know, great drum scares. You know, there are times where Mike Flanagan really knows how to like put you in that mood where it's like, man, you know something is either going to pop up or it's it's so unexpected. It's never when you expect it whatsoever. And I just, every time I'm like, I want it, like I'm glued to the TV because I know this man is going to do something. But even though it's not as scary, like you said, Devin, it reminds me of, or us, of 13 uh, scary stories to tell in the dark. It is more of like, a thriller, not more horror. There are a few jump scares here and there, but I feel like there are a few things in this season that are left unexplained. And that is why I feel like this might be getting a second season, but I don't really know because yeah, there the, are this, a lot type of, this type of story just sets itself up for multiple seasons. You kind of just can just have as depressing as it is, you can just have kids funneling in as the other ones just kind of die off after however long they, they last. But, um, I, I don't think it was bad by any means. It, like I said before, it just didn't really connect with me. Um, I also think there's a bit of an issue here with the kind of the curse of like the Netflix, like mid-level budget, um, for this series where the CGI got pretty rough at times, at least from what I was seeing. Like some of the just some of the imagery that they went with kind of reminded me of Umbrella Academy, where it's like they just didn't really give the full effort into making it look as good as it could have been. It felt like, and that kind of takes me out of it at some points. But I do, I did enjoy the characters for the most part. Some of them are more fleshed out than others. Um, some of them really took a backseat, especially it felt like the staff, especially 
kind of takes a back seat and then a couple of the actual midnight club did as well but i definitely liked the main characters and, and what they went through overall let's take a quick break did you know that you can change what you taste by what you hear how can you use sound to make a deeper connection with your clients can we be healed with sound Sound influences people in their buying decisions and their daily lives. In the podcast audio branding, I explore all of this, both with my own observations as a voice actor of over 15 years and by interviewing knowledgeable professionals in the field of advertising, marketing, music, and science. To have a listen for yourself, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com. Yeah, I, I do agree with you there. I feel like there is something left to be desired. Um, like you said, there are, I mean, I feel like for the most part, I mean, the, this series really does try to give each character, at least the children, a arc of their own. Some may have more complete arcs than others, but there is the, you know, each each episode, you know, when the Midnight Club comes together, you know, a different child tells, you know, a ver- a, a ghost story, essentially. Um, there may be a few two-parters, three-parters thrown in there between some of the characters. But I feel like that was a way to introduce who these characters are, or at least where they came from when it came to their upbringing um, as children, But obviously, this is more of a, you know, scary stories to, you know, create ghosts in a way. But I I do agree that there there are a few characters within the uh, children that kind of get pushed to the wayside. I'm thinking maybe about maybe like one or two for sure. But I will say overall, I mean, the kids did a great job, but the staff was a little bit less to be desired. Like you said, I wish we would have gotten a little bit more with them. But because like you knew that they were there, like in this this bright club hospice, but it's like they would only show up during convenient times. Yeah, they were very absent. Yeah, yeah. But again, that's just kind of how the horror, you know, coming of age, quote unquote, coming of age stories are like even in Stranger Things. I mean, as the series has gone on for Stranger Things, we see less and less of adults. It's the only adults we really see in Stranger Things right now is Hopper and Joyce. And um, um, oh, my gosh, I'm blanking on his name. well, yeah, well, yeah, the Russians and um, the other guy, the uh, Murray. I count Murray? him as a, as part of the Russians. Oh, okay, <laughs> fair enough. But yeah, I feel like that's just how um, you know horror, uh, teenage horror, or like coming of age horror, like series or movies are, where the adults usually are just more absent. Um, but you know, like Mike Flanagan likes to do, he likes to, you know, uh, reintroduce or repurpose, uh, use a lot of the same, um, actors in his past movies or series and, you know, find a place for them within each, you know, which within each story, you know, I, I feel like, uh, Samantha, uh, uh, Sloyan, I think that's how you pronounce her last name, Sloyan. Yeah. I think I mean she she always does a great job. She was amazing in Midnight Mass. 
Oh my gosh, I know, I know. My gosh, it's fantastic. But actually, uh, speaking of Midnight Mass, let's actually get into our next segment here because we're going to be here all day. (laughs) I hope we just keep talking about this. But uh, to move away from our initial reactions really quick, uh, Devin, we're just going to play a little bit of a game. Actually, I'm more curious about what you think. We're just going to do a little Mike Flanagan series ranked, if you will, because this is the fourth series from his filmography fifth one coming soon i think yes uh the how the fall the house House of usher yeah the fall the house yeah yeah that yeah that's gonna be his fifth one i'm very excited for that as well i don't know when in that one is he Mm. mark hamill along with all the other usuals yeah oh i'm I mean, it's it's going to be great. I, I love directors who, who work with the same actors and actresses. Um, it's it's much like, you know, Martin Scorsese has been working with <laughs> the same actors that he's been working with forever, especially um, Robert uh, Robert De Niro. And even with Quentin Tarantino, you know, sometimes you just get actors and actresses and a director like relationship where they're just a joy to work for. And it's like, why wouldn't you, you know, be a part of the project? It's, it's work for you. It's work for them. Everybody gets paid. There we go. But Devin, then I've actually been asked, wanted to ask you this for a while. What, what is your, your series ranked for the Flaniverse, the, the Mike Flaniverse? <laughs> Flan man. My series ranks for the Michael Flanniverse. At the top, it's it's Haunting of Hill House. It's it's the OG. It's the one that started it all. It's the one that blew me away, to be honest, when I first watched it, because I'd really just never seen any anything in the horror genre that was such a, a character study like that was. Just the dialogue and the characters was something I'd never seen before, and it kind of blew me away back then. But then after that, I go Midnight Mass, which was also amazing. Uh, definitely up there. Just unforgettable performances. Can't believe it didn't get any like award hype or any any love, really. Honestly, I am so I'm very pissed that it didn't. I'm like, because it came out last year because we, we reviewed it here on on, on the show. Um, if you want to listen to our thoughts about Midnight Mass, definitely go. Um, you might have to scroll through a few episodes, but it's there. <laughs> I, I remember that it is there. But yeah, it came out last year. No love from the Emmys whatsoever. I, I think the Emmys and the Oscars have a horror problem. Yeah, they usually do. That's, that's just kind of the stigma that, that horror has where it's very tough for them to break through. Jordan Peele is the only one that's really seeming to, to be able to break through recently with the Oscars, just kind of winning for original screenplay for Get Out and, and whatnot. But yeah, I think uh, for Midnight Mass, it was just such a snub for um, trying to find his name. Um, uh, you're the, uh, the preacher? Ha- Hamish Linklater. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Mm. He, he was just unbelievable but after that i would go with with bly manor um bly manor to me felt kind of like it was similar to to house of haunting hill just a different time period house of haunting hill <laughs> yeah haunting of hill house i feel like i feel like that's also a thing too house of haunting hill let's look it up <laughs> i was like it's a board game something else? oh it's a movie oh Oh, I didn't know that. That's fun. <laughs> I was like, what is House of Haunting Hill? <laughs> I, I think Silent Hill, maybe. But hey, that's just me. 
<laughs> but yeah, I'd have um, Bly Manor third, and then I'd put Midnight Club fourth. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, so for me, as I mentioned before, I haven't seen Bly Manor yet, and I know it, I, it's 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 a sin before the Flanniverse itself. But <laughs> um, I will have to actually just take it out of the equation. I can't even rank it if I haven't seen it. Um, for me. <laughs> Uh, it would be, I'll start from number three. Number three right now will be uh, The Midnight Club. Uh, we'll see if that changes after I watch uh, Bly Manor, because I'm very excited for it. You know, all, all the British in it. <laughs> it's very, very British, British heavy, and De- Devin knows how, how much I love the, uh, the the Brits, so I'm very, very excited for that. Um, man, there's something about Midnight Mass and that being a passion project for Mike Flanagan. And it's actually very hard for me to say if Haunting of Hill House or or um, Midnight Mass is better because I enjoy them both because, yes, they have the horror elements, but th- they tell real stories here. And Midnight Mass really tackles into the theme of death and what do you think happens after we die? But Haunting of the Hill House had that family aspect. That family, man. Where, the funeral episode. Yeah. I will never get over the funeral episode. Dude, dude. I'm, when I was watching Haunting of the Hill House for the first time, I was blown away because the storytelling was fantastic. Probably one of the best jump scares out of any horror series or film I've ever seen because if you know you know I I literally almost like I I yelled out because I did not expect that to happen just on a nice car ride just just talking my god and but there was no build up to it. it just happens and I was like I was very very just wow like startled I get something else i don't know it was very that that was fear striking <laughs> if there was any time if there was any time for someone to like pee their pants it would have been in that moment i was whew. so i think man oh man this is tough this is so tough i want to say haunting of hill house is number two, but it's it's more of like a one A one B kind of thing for me because I mean I would gladly watch both again. I wouldn't say oh well, you know that that's whatever because they're both amazing in their own way. They yeah, I, think they're, in, I think they're in their own tier at the top. Those two, yeah, it's really tough. So I mean, if I had to rank them, I guess it would be Hell House as like one A one B, and then Midnight Mass as one a i guess you could say so it's but yeah it's so tough again i haven't seen blind manor just yet hopefully i will soon um maybe i can do a quick little review of it or something we'll just have to wait or you know just keep my thoughts to myself in your life i know right oh man oh man man i mean like i said i'm leaning into the spooky season so you you gotta just lean into it and have a good time but let's get into our final thoughts here. Uh, Devin, did you have any final thoughts about the Midnight Club 
and then we'll get into our ratings. Actually, just give your final thoughts and then your ratings. And I'll do the same. And then we'll uh, close out here. I guess I have a final thought exercise. Imagine if we had a crossover of the Midnight Club and Fear Street. Some, some 90s, 90s fest. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, my gosh. Or yes. imagine if Mike Flanagan did Fear Street. Like, I, I did like Fear Street, but imagine the mm-hmm. levels it could have reached. Man, oh, man. But Fear Street was so good in its own right. And I, I'm hoping we get more. Um, but, oh, man, that would be fantastic. Just give me the, you know, the the teenagers, the horror, just everything. Thank you for reminding me because I do have to rewatch Fear Street uh, before before the month is over. Yeah, as far as uh, ratings go, I'm trying to think of what I would have given the other three. I don't remember what I gave Midnight Mass, but it had to have been high. Um, same thing with Fifth Haunting of Hill House. I'd probably go with like a, like a 68. It, like I said, it didn't really grab me. It didn't like grab my attention like the other ones did. It didn't bring me in and like suck me into the world like the other ones did. But I, I still think it's it was like well made overall. And it still has the classic just Flanagan charm and overall just character development that you you expect to see so for my final thoughts really quick um i i do agree well when when you say that you know it the world did not suck me in as much as i was hoping it would but it does have that flanagan that shine like you know this is a mike flanagan Pro, um, project along with um, La, Leah Fong as well, because she is also a creator on the show. But you can really tell, like you said, the the, the story is there. The, the storytelling is there. there. There are great aspects about the show. I think everyone should watch it. You know, don't go don't watch 13 stories to tell in the dark, because if you're looking for something like that, you might as well just watch Midnight Club. That was a snoozer it's part, it's part, of a movie. <laughs> It was. I watched it. Um, I think it was first day of fall, September 22nd. And I was like, oh, this is this is it. For some reason, I thought it was a series. I'm like, oh, that's right. Devin did say he wished it was a series. But this is like if 13 um, stories tell in the dark or scary stories to tell in the dark was in a series format. It is fantastic. A lot of great characters, like Devin said. It has that Flanagan charm and has that Flanagan, um, that screenwriting is all there. There are characters that you do get attached to. Um, you may laugh, you may cry, you'll definitely cry, but it, it is a very, um, it's, it's bittersweet. It, it's, it's melancholy, really. That's, that's probably the best adjective I can use to describe it. But, um, as far as my rating goes, I would probably give it a, I get like a 75 out of a hundred. Uh, like I said before, it's no midnight mass and it's no haunting of Hill house, but it is a uh, solid story. And like I said, I don't think this uh, story is over at all because uh, Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb have this listed as um, possibly continuing. This is 2022 dash present. So I don't know what that means, but I'm just saying I, the way that it ends, I I think I don't think this is your standard Mike Flanagan um, limited series because I don't even think it was um, marketed as a limited series. And that's another thing, really quick. Um, Has it even marketing been marketed? Sh- I was gonna say. Yeah, I was gonna say as well. Um, for the marketing for the show has been terrible. 
I wish that, I mean, I wish that they were able to push this farther along um, because I only started seeing marketing for this. Um, let's see, seven days before. So it was really around uh, September 30th, this past Friday, around that time is when they started pushing it. But Netflix has like the worst marketing problem because they pump out so much stuff. And like, I mean, even though, you know, we, we enjoy it, but it's not his best work. It's still a Mike Flanagan property. It should be like a yearly to, Halloween event. Like they should be pumping, punching it really it up should. as like their yearly. Cause they have been yearly for the most part so far, I think. Yeah. Because they also, um, I'm not sure if you saw, but they, they actually dubbed the Flaniverse. Like it's its own little subcategory on Netflix. And they started pushing that as soon as October 1st hit, they had this montage of, you know, Mike Flanagan's films and his TV series. They're like, Oh, you know, it's spooky season. Go, go watch the Flaniverse, you know? And so it's, I think that was cool, but it's like this should have happened before. Like we got a new poster on October 3rd starring a movie with Lindsay Lohan. That's a Christmas movie. That was genius marketing. Do more stuff like that for your spooky season stuff, for for, for your Mike Flanagan's out there, your, your Guillermo del Toro's out there as well, because this should have been <laughs> this should have been marketed Better than what it's being marketed. Not seven days before <laughs> it drops on Netflix. Because I hope it doesn't get buried. Luckily, Umbrella Academy Season 3 did not. Because it is getting a fourth season. But I hope this doesn't get buried. And I think there's going to be a Season 2. That's all I'm going to say. So, that concludes our spoiler-free review of The Midnight Club. So, if you like what you heard here on today's episode, please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform of choice. And make sure to share an episode of our podcast with a friend, whether it be your mother, your brother, your lover, whoever it may be. Make sure to share an episode of the Film Optics Podcast with a movie lover in need. And what is coming up next on our podcast, you might ask? So we're going to be covering Marvel Studios' Werewolf by Nights. That um, actually, of this recording, should also be out on October 7th. So that's another thing you can watch this weekend. There you go. Um, we're also uh, in the works of doing uh, maybe some little different on the channel. We, I mean, the podcast, excuse me, the show um, where we, we, we might be getting another uh, a movie draft, a, a horror draft going here with, with a few of our um, a few listeners here of the sh- of the show. So very, very excited for that. Um, and also, I mean, we might cover Smile. I don't know. It depends on how much of a chicken I am, if I'm going to go see it this weekend or not. But, but I, I don't know. <laughs> we shall see. Um, but what is out right now that you can listen to our show? Uh, we have our Avatar The Last Airbender series revisited, book one, two, and three that are all out on the podcast for you guys to listen to, as well as our House of the Dragons episode one through seven, all spoiler free episodes out on the podcast for people to listen to as well as our she-hulk episodes one through seven we only got two more episodes of she-hulk man three more of house of the dragon 
it, it's going to be bittersweet when all that ends. But those are just a few things that we've been covering recently for everyone to um, go ahead and listen to, check out. We've just been we've been so busy with a lot of things and it's all going to get crazier, but we're going to try to, you know, uh, get these uh, reviews out for you guys because we love you guys and we hope you guys are enjoying our content. And with all that said, we hope you guys have a great day and we'll see you guys next time. And that's a wrap for today. Thank you all for listening. And if you enjoy the show, leave us a five-star rating review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram to stay in the know. That was Devin. My name is Christian. And we'll see you guys in the next one. Peace.